Wing Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to episode 267. Today we will discuss a question I get from various listeners of our podcast. Should I obtain a complex endorsement in 2021? We'll discuss why you should obtain a complex endorsement, how to train for that endorsement, and tips for instructors teaching in a complex aircraft. Let's do the pre-flight. Big shout out to our sponsor, Plain English Sim. Plain English Sim is an app-based aviation radio simulator. It's an easy way to gain proficiency, both VFR and IFR. And you know what they're doing? They're giving away a free scholarships guide, and you can use the coupon code Plain English Sim for a free one-year access to the Aerospace Scholarships Guide, where you can get an endorsement, say, for a complex aircraft or maybe a private or an instrument. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships to find out more. Use Planning a Sim uh, to get that free guide. And by the way, we just put out a new uh, link. It's aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free. If you want to show somebody how they can get a free scholarships guide or you want one yourself, just go to that uh, website and go to that link, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free, and you can get a free one right there. Uh, it has We have many different codes from different sponsors. Really great people are, are reaching out, trying to help other people move forward in their career and also in their flying life. Now entering cruise flight. Again, I'm Carl Valerian. Joining me today... So we can answer this question about if you should obtain a complex endorsement in 2021 is Tom Frick and Bill English. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you guys have been doing some fun aviating. Hey, how's it going? Yes, we have. Ah. Cool, cool, cool. I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, let's go dive right into this and uh, and talk a little bit about the endorsement and the complex aircraft. You know, that's something that I've been hearing a lot in some emails and some chatter on some of the boards that I get on is uh, especially some of the, you know, folks that are having their their children uh, going out and they're paying for their, their training. They're saying, oh, they don't need a complex endorsement. And they say, was well, it really uh, still relevant? And uh, and I, I think it is relevant. I think the complex endorsement is relevant for many reasons. Uh, but the one reason that I tell people I think it's relevant, I feel it just helps make you a better pilot. Uh, and that's, that's my opinion. It's uh, something that will actually help you grow as a pilot. And if you do want to move up to other aircraft, you're, you're going to need to get a complex endorsement. Even if you're deciding not to go into a complex aircraft, it's great to just have there. And there's many, many reasons to do that. I'd also like to hear from, uh, from you guys, uh, you know, and Bill, I know we in, we went out flying the other day. We'll talk a little bit about that in a, uh, here in a second in, in a diamond aircraft. But, you know, do you think a, a complex endorsement is still relevant? Uh, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> we can make this real short. Yes, of course we do. Uh, I I, uh, I got a lot of my ratings way back when, um, as I think 
you know, a lot of people are thinking it's not relevant anymore. You don't necessarily need the complex endorsement to get your commercial rating anymore. Um, you know, I did uh, my ratings back when you did. You had to do that. You had to have that. Well, let's, uh, you know, we haven't really said this yet, Carl. What is a complex endorsement and a complex airplane? And we're talking about an airplane with a controllable prop, a constant speed prop, retractable gear, and flaps. Uh, and that, you know, typically your Piper Arrow, Cessna Cardinal, airplanes like that um, count as the, the, those are those entry-level complex that people get their um, endorsements in. And you had to have that back when I got my commercial rating. Um, you know, in the in the dark old days. And you're absolutely right. It makes you think more about the, the systems of the airplane, staying ahead of the airplane, um, uh, whether you uh, actually go on to get your commercial rating or not definitely helps with that. Yeah, I agree with that, Bill. And, and Tom, just real quickly, what, what are your feelings as far as a complex endorsement? Do you still uh, give people their complex endorsement when you're training them? Maybe they're thinking about becoming instructors? Sure. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely still relevant. I agree with what you said about it. I think it makes you a better pilot. Um, you know, um, like Bill said, it's, it's not a requirement for the, um, commercial certificate anymore, but, um, it is still, um, something that will, will help you as a pilot. It, it just, it, it's, it's that next level of learning systems and just being aware. And, um, you want to talk about, you know, being, always on your checklists and things like that, you know, remembering to put the gear down is a, is, is a very important part of a flow that, um, you know, is something everybody should learn when they're flying, especially as you start getting up into the higher ratings. Yeah, and Tom and Bill, I think another thing that, that's really important to getting your complex endorsement, and I think this is something that people don't think about much, is that, you know, we talk about being old and, and the fact that we had to get our complex to become commercial pilots back then. Remember this, a lot of flying clubs, uh, and a lot of different places where you rent from have older airplanes, and they have complex aircraft. You know, just about every club that I've joined uh, has had a complex aircraft, and and even partnerships. So if you're wanting to go out and, and actually rent one of those, it's a good idea to start looking towards getting your complex endorsement, which is something we're going to talk about, so that you can actually fly a complex aircraft because someday you may wind up going into a partnership with some of those airplanes. And, you know, Bill, I'm glad you brought up the definition for a complex aircraft because a lot of people, they don't understand what that complex aircraft is. And, uh, and just we're going to give a couple examples. But going back, Bill and I flew the other day, and, uh, and some people will say um, that the Diamond DA-40 they thought was a complex aircraft, but it really isn't, and the reason being is that it doesn't have the retractable landing gear, but it does have a constant speed propeller uh, and uh, has flaps. You know, it's it's something that we sometimes think is complex, but it's not. Uh, so, do you need a complex endorsement for that? No, you really don't. Um, the other one that I think a lot of people feel that's a complex in, uh, aircraft is the 182, and we're just talking about complex um, and not not really high performance. Another, a whole another endorsement there. Sometimes this can be tied in together, but. The 182, many of them don't have retractable landing gear. But I will tell you this. I did join a flying club, had a 182RG, retractable gear, and you needed a complex endorsement for that. So those are the things that I find 
is really good by and getting your complex endorsement for a very good instructor prior to and someone who has a lot of experience teaching in complex aircraft prior to actually going out and possibly renting an aircraft because I tell you this is what happens you go to a club and they have you know the 172 they have the Cherokee they have this 182 RG and you're like oh that looks so cool and and you're like you really want to go fly the thing but sometimes uh, you know, you can't find the proper instructor pay, maybe in the club. Sometimes it's best to go ahead and go out and get that, that complex endorsement ahead of time. There are some clubs, though, I will say, you know, that, that are set up to, to do some great training in those complex uh, aircraft. But one of the most important reasons to get this complex endorsement and get proper training, and that's really what I want to talk about, the complex endorsement being relevant in 2021, is finally finding proper training. Because, again, I think we're, we're seeing more people go towards less or aircraft that are, excuse me, not complex. Because now for the commercial certificate, you just have to use a technically advanced aircraft. So you, you're finding a, a few less people, that, uh, as far as instructors are concerned, that are teaching in these complex aircraft. And one of the most important things I feel is, and, and I used to always tell people this, when you're flying a complex aircraft, you really don't want to make the six o'clock news. And what does that mean? You don't want to be in the news because you're the person that forgot to put the gear down. And that, in my mind, is one of the biggest challenges in the complex aircraft is the gear. Uh, the prop, you know, the flaps, yeah, but truly the gear, because that is one of the things that, that we tend to have a lot of challenges with. And even professional crews uh, forget to put the gear down. And, you know, I'll relate uh, one that actually happened to, to me on a jet is, uh, you know, got tass-saturated, deciding to change runways uh, just at like 1,500 feet. And, you know, the, I was the non-flying pilot, and we changed runways, and the pilot was actually flying pilot, focused on the runway, forgot to put the gear down. Uh, and that uh, luckily uh, turned out to be caught because in, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later, because in our procedures, we make sure that at a certain altitude that we're configured for landing. And without the gear down and we're at a thousand feet, we're not configured. Uh, so what, what usually happens then? We go around, try it again. That's what happens there. But that that uh, not putting the gear down rarely happens now, especially with with the professional crews and also with all the automation that we have these days, but it can happen. It really can. And there's some huge costs that are involved. And uh, just to relate one story with uh, the club that I was talking about where I joined that had a 1A2RG, absolutely loved the airplane. We had a, a member that came in and, uh, and forgot to put the gear down. And that actually... Uh, actually precipitated many costs that we did not realize because when you don't put the gear down a lot of folks think it's just the gear it's not just the gear uh, a lot of times your propeller's still spinning and what happens then well then you have a prop strike and then you have to tear down the engine and do an inspection and sometimes you have to do a rebuild depending on what happens so in the case where we with that 1A2RG when we had one of our members not put the gear down wound up spending about $65,000 in that repair now. With that said, it wasn't just the engine, and it wasn't just the gear we repaired. That's when we decided, okay, let's fix some other things. Uh, so it can actually bring a lot more cost than just the, the actual gear 
uh, not heading down and not putting down. So those are kind of some of the two stories I wanted to relate as far as the complex area. And there's many more I can, but those are some of the big ones there. Uh, and, and that's really kind of what I want to focus on today with the complex aircraft. And we'll talk a little bit about the propeller. But, uh, Tom, uh, I was wondering, do you have any uh, stories that you want to relate as far as some of the experiences in operating a complex aircraft? It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an accident or incident. Maybe something that was a, a, you know, a close call. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a complex aircraft. Uh, so when, when I learned to fly airplanes with landing gear, um, I had an instructor who um, basically told me that, you know, well, the way he put it was this. He said, you have either um, are one of those pilots who have or will land gear up. And he says, the trick is to stay the one who will. Um, I was taught, you know, I'm, I'm really, really um, anal about putting down the gears. So I start calling it out at, at, at different phases of flight. Um, if I'm in a traffic pattern, I'm calling it, you know, in the downwind, three green, turn and base three green, you know, on final three green over the fence, three green. So I'm, I'm always looking to make sure, cause I don't want to be that guy who had, had my gear up. Um, it, coincidentally, this, this same instructor had, um, had a gear up incident after I got my complex from him and it wasn't, well, I, I guess it wasn't his fault, but he, um, had a student who, you know, he was doing the same thing. He was calling out three green, you know, gear down, gear down. Well, I guess when he was on final and said gear down, the student reached over and put the gear up and sure enough, they, they landed with the gear up and his explanation of it to me was, he says, it's kind of an odd feeling. He says, it's over very, very quickly. He said it made a loud scratching noise and he said, everything got really quiet. And he said, we knew exactly what had happened and we got out of the plane and everybody was fine. And it's just one of those things, you know? So, um, I've uh, I've witnessed a couple of gears up. I, one was an emergency situation, which was a uh, um, a 182 RG that um, he couldn't get the gear down. Did everything, went through all the emergency procedures, circled the top of the airport for over an hour until he was finally out of fuel and he had to put it down on the ground. And you know, so I got to witness it from the outside, and it does. It makes a a pretty intense little noise as it goes down, but. Luckily, the thing came to rest safely, and you know, and they just they dragged it off the runway and went about their day. Yeah, usually it doesn't lead to something catastrophic, but it sure is embarrassing as it was for them. You know, in a lot of these aircraft, we have systems that uh, help us or remind us, or even possibly put the gear down for us. And uh, in the case where you know, with the jet I was flying, the forgetting to put the gear down it was a big, you know, the thing started yelling at us. But there are some airplane that that'll actually uh, you know actually put the aircraft down, uh, or excuse me, the wheels down for you, and uh, and that's uh, you know those arrows. And Bill, I think you have a little bit of experience with arrows, don't you? Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, they're they're pretty uh, popular for the uh, complex endorsement, the Piper Arrow various series. And if people don't know what we're talking about, a lot of the Piper Arrows, you know, from back in the you know 70s, 80s of vintage airplane. Um, they had a system on them that would automatically extend the gear um, in certain configurations. I, I forget what it is, you know, certain, you know, reduced power setting. And if you had a notch of flaps, which that was, that's, an, I guess, a neat little safety feature. But of course, don't forget, they're also used as training airplanes. So what else do you do with a training airplane? Well, you do slow flight and stalls and things like that. Well, you don't want the gear just randomly dropping on you while you're doing uh those kind of maneuvers. So some of them would have 
a little this is little tab that would flip up and hold um, uh, and, and hold the uh, the auto extension system uh, or make it um, disabled so that you could flip this little tab and then go about doing your slow flight and everything and the gear wouldn't randomly drop on you you just you'd have to do it yourself well of course naturally um, unintended consequences sometimes people would forget to flip the tab back and their auto gear extension would be um, disabled and they'd not have that. Um, I don't. I don't know of any accidents or, or incidents that were caused by that, but it sh sure could get confusing. Um, you know, people either not using it when they were doing their maneuvers or forgetting about it, and then uh, suddenly realizing, "Whoa, hey, we got to do this by ourselves." And uh, so I got to pay attention to that. Pay attention to those systems in your airplane. There's, uh, um, I'm, you know, as time goes by, I suspect a lot of those have gone by the wayside, but there's still some of them out there to watch out for. Yeah, there sure are, and uh, and and by the way, let's try not to make me feel bad because it seems like we're talking about some of these older aircraft, and and I'm starting to feel old as we're discussing this. But there are people that like to fly those planes and like to fly those complex aircraft. I know we've come a long way with systems. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but hey, your point though, Bill, on that on that system, uh, I've flown a lot in Arrows. And one of the ways that that system works is based on airspeed. And if you come in really fast, uh, and uh, and you you know decide to put the aircraft on the ground, it may not auto extend, which it does in that case. Well, um, that's a good you know, and and that's a good reminder, as Tom was saying, that when you start to move into these kind of airplanes, you you really can't be flying them anymore. So much seat of your pants. You've got to be a lot more proceduralized, checklists, flows doing things at, you know, at the same time and, uh, you know, and, uh, proceduralized points. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about the, the gumps check. I suspect we're going to get to that. The, uh, the reminder, um, especially for complex airplanes, um, airplanes with retractable gear, you'll remind yourself with the acronym gumps or right? gas U for undercarriage or landing gear mixture and prop to remind yourself, get that gear down. And, uh, yeah, I, I know I, I do three, three of those gums checks in every pattern minimum. So um, you, it's not like you can't get away with things that you can get away with in a more, uh, more simple airplane. Yeah, hey, that was great bringing that up, Bill, because uh, we'll talk a little bit about the gums check because part of this whole system, the complex aircraft, is also the controllable pitch propeller, and uh, and that's something that just adds to this. And and we really one of the things that we want to make sure is people know how to use a controllable pitch propeller. There's lots of YouTube videos out there. Um, I will say one thing that getting into that that groove and getting into that that standardization for yourself, whatever it may be, you know, be consistent with it and and don't vary from that. I think that's a great point, Bill, uh, because I do a gums check every single time, no matter what aircraft I'm flying, whether it's at at work or it's uh, at play. You know, I still do that gums check to make sure that I uh, have not. Uh, forgotten about the gear. I was wondering, Bill, I, I know what I do is when I see the numbers for the airport, that'll be my, and I'm aligned with final, that's my last gum check. Uh, when you said there's three times, is there like a sequence? I mean, do you have a specific spot where you do those three gums checks? Uh, not not specific. Generally, at each leg of the traffic pattern, you know, if you're doing a pattern, you know, a downwind base um, final, uh, or on, on an instrument approach, you'll start, you know, the first place you'll do it usually is final approach fix, and then I'll do them at uh, stable call, uh, so at 1,000 feet or 500 feet, and um, and then short final, you know, that last minute uh, sort of idiot check on short final, basically where minimums would be. Right, right. Um, 
You know, one of the things that, as far as the, the gear is concerned, a lot of people put it in that specific sequence. Maybe uh, your first notch of flaps you do before you put the gear down, your next notch of flaps also includes the gear so that you're constantly uh, making sure you're within uh, <laughs> that proper procedure. Like You're doing things in sequence. It's a lot of term we use quite often at the airlines is, uh, hey, I'm doing this out of sequence. You know, I'm going to put the gear down without having any flaps down because I'm really high and I'm fast and I want to slow down and get down. Uh, so I'm going to throw the gear out. But I know that what I'm going to do, say, in my airplane is, you know, hey, you know, the third, the, the third notch of flaps or whatever it is, full flaps, I want to make sure my gear down is down at that point. I never have full flaps without the gear down. Whatever system is you, that you use, I want you to continue to use that system because uh, we all have different types of systems. Uh, so, Tom, what, what system do you use? Do you use something, use something like that, like when you're on final making sure the gear is down, or, or is there something else that you use? Yeah, I mean, the gums check is, is pretty standard. I was taught CC gums, and actually it has the two Cs in the front and two Ss in the back, which is uh, carb heat, cowl flaps, gas, undercarriage, mixture, props, switches, seat belts. And that pretty much covered it. And um, I use CC gums in every plane that I fly. And that's why I use it is because it covers so much different stuff, you know. So even when I'm flying in a Cessna 172 or a little Piper uh, Ar or a Piper Warrior or something like that, I still do a CC gums check. And I'll, I'll put my finger on the dashboard to put the gear down even if it's not there. I'll even move the props forward if, even if I don't have a props lever just to keep myself in that flow and that practice. So, you know, in my mind i'm still adding things into my my uh, checklist as i go through and that way i'm i'm constantly going through them and i'm looking for those things no matter what plane i'm inside of to add to that point tom uh, and i'm glad you brought this up is that if you're somebody that switches from one airplane to the next it's always important to use that gum check and use that you know complex checklist uh, because of the fact you want to have some kind of standardization. And, uh, and I'm assuming that's something, Tom, that you do with all your students. Indeed. You know, so, uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm only as good as what I was taught, you know, don't know what I don't know. So, but yes, that's the way that I was taught was because I, I, um, I was training to be a CFI so that I knew that I was going to be jumping from airplane to airplane. So, you know, one minute I was in a Cessna 172, then I was off in a, you know, uh, an Arrow, a Piper Arrow, then I'd be off in a Cirrus SR-22, and then off in a 182, and, and, and that's just one day worth of flying. And it can get confusing with a lot of different checklists and stuff like that. So, yes, finding something standard that I could go through that I was going to check all of the systems, no matter what I had on the plane, uh, made it a little easier. Yeah, it sure does. Before we talk about actually training and, and go into that part of our discussion, I do want to mention the controllable pitch propeller. And that's something that I think um, the reason we've been focusing on the gear, by the way, is that's the one thing that gets most people in trouble. It's not so much the controllable pitch propeller as it is uh, the gear. But we can get ourselves in trouble uh, without uh, properly using that controllable pitch propeller. And the reason being is all the systems are different. Uh, and, and the pitch can be different. And how it's set can be different. 
It's they're not all the same. And that's something that you have to really understand about your system and how it actually works. And and whether it uses, you know, the how the governor works and how, you know, the oil actually controls that governor and understanding how to check the system before you go out and fly the aircraft to make sure that the propeller governor is working. And it and say some airplanes even have reverse, amazingly enough, in some of these uh, uh, smaller general aviation aircraft, which uh, I thought was kind of interesting. But uh, really, I mean, you really, really, and the point I'm trying to make is you really have to know that system as far as the controllable pitch propeller. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about the, the, the training environment and what we suggest when you're trying to get your, your uh, complex endorsement. The controllable pitch propeller, lots of stuff out there on YouTube. I love a lot of it. Uh, I actually have a video about it made a long time ago for one of my students, and uh, it's kind of, uh, it was a little bit boring because I was just making it for one student, didn't realize a few hundred thousand people would be watching it, uh, but I, I highly recommend recommend you going out there and actually checking those out. There's some books out there. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but Tom, to start with you, um, what do you what do you usually recommend uh, people do when they're looking at uh, you know using that controllable pitch propeller? Is there any kind of uh, general advice you tell people, say before you land? Well, um, you know, there's before you land, I would hope that they already had that information. You know, um, what what I teach is is you know we're gonna we're gonna poke our nose into that POH for that particular aircraft, and we're gonna figure out exactly how this system works. We're gonna go over it, and we're gonna talk about why we have different settings at different phases of flight. You know, so um, you know we just talked about CC gums. When one of the things in there is props. Well, when you're coming in for landing, you're gonna put that prop full forward, so that way you have the best pitch, so that you can get the most power out of that particular prop should you have to go around you know so right. you're, you're setting yourself up for, for just in case you know those are all things that we're going to discuss long before we even get in the airplane and and you know find ourselves on final by the i would hope that by the time somebody gets on final uh the first time in a complex airplane that somebody has taken the time to explain to them how that system works and why we are put, making the settings the way that we are instead of just getting in and going oh yeah yeah we set this thing at uh you know full props to take off and then we set it at uh, 25,000 or 2500 rpm and 25 inches of manifold pressure for the climb and then we take it down to 23 22 inches of manifold pressure in the cruise that's that's not enough information what is happening in that prop when when you make those adjustments and why are we doing those settings and that information is found in the POH and oh, hopefully we would good. go through that before we even get in the plane Tom, I'm so glad you said that. That was uh, one of the biggest points I wanted to get to is you have to look at the POH. Like I said, every system works differently. And we could talk about generally about systems, uh, but – uh, and we and a lot of people go in discussions on how a controllable uh, pitch propeller works, constant speed propeller works. Well, it's different in every airplane. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I just think you should actually know your airplane. And, Bill, I know like with the airplane we went up with uh, in the DA-40 um, flying around, there was something that was a little bit different than I was used to And after we take off and, and setting the, the prop control. Uh, at a different RPM than I was expecting. You know, I was thinking manifold pressure was going to be a different setting, and it wasn't. Uh, so I'm not, I was just kind of wondering, uh, have you ever run across that uh, where, you know, you have people that have experience in a, in a constant P-prop, controllable pitch propeller, and they run across the same confusion as I did? Um, yeah, that is something to know. I mean, about the, the diamonds have three different propellers that they can have, and some of those props have a, 
um, an RPM limit um, on, on takeoff. Some don't. So just as Tom said, you've got to get into the into the book and the checklist for that particular airplane. Um, to, you know, depending on which propellers installed, um, you may have to uh, be pulling the RPM back. Um, you know, once you're at a safe altitude after takeoff, others you can leave up at, a, at full forward for the, you know, the extent of your climb, or at least for quite a bit of your climb. So again, you, you just have to get in there and, um, and know the airplane, know the details of the airplane. Don't just assume, well, I, yeah, I flew, a, I flew a diamond at a different club, so this one's just the same. Uh, it might not be. It might have the different prop on it. So get in there and get, in the, get your nose in the books. Yeah, and, and Bill and Tom, great points because uh, we all need to realize we have to learn the airplane that we're flying, especially with a constant speed prop and, and any system, really, because there's always something that's different. Let's switch a little bit to, you know, why we already talked about why and talked a little bit about the systems. Let's talk a little bit about training and, uh, and how we should train to learn the constant speed propeller. Now, one of the things that's changed over the years is the simulators that we have, the flight training devices that are absolutely excellent and uh, are great training devices for this and also for different things like different systems. You can actually go on there and do a lot of training in a short amount of time because you can constantly go over things like um, you can, you know, and say you take an arrow out and you fly in the pattern. Uh, you can't you know, go back and, and show them how to actually, you reduce the power, how you reduce the RPM, and, and do that over and over in a short amount of time, but in a simulator you can. You can actually do it a whole bunch of times and put them back on the ground and put them back on the ground and say, okay, let's go through that procedure uh, one more time. I personally, uh, I'm a big uh, proponent of the flight training device, uh, and that leads into other complex airplanes, uh, especially with uh, twins and light twins. Although I won't even get in the airplane until usually we're about 10 hours into the simulator and with a complex aircraft too. And so the flight training device is one. Also sitting in the cockpit and, and looking at the controls is, is another one. So I'd like to hear from, from both, uh, say, Tom, what, when you start doing your training in a complex aircraft, uh, we talk a little bit about the book work, looking at the POH. What's next? What do, you, do you jump into the plane and demonstrate it, or do you start out with a simulator? Um, I've worked at flight schools where I've had a simulator um, available to me, and, and we start out there. That's a, Like you said, it's a great place to start because there's a lot of things we can do in the sim that we necessarily wouldn't be able to do in the airplane. Um, and, and like you said, resetting things back up again and, and just getting through that flow of um, how the airplane is going to react in, in different phases of flight. Um, you know, If that's available, fine. If not, then yes, we can go out and fly the plane. Generally, when I'm doing a complex add-on, you know, doing a, a complex endorsement for somebody, it's somebody who's already usually got a, you know, they're already rated. You know, I, I don't think I've done anybody who is a, a sub-private, like just a student pilot. Um, I have. I did take a student pilot up once in an arrow and was showing them some of the stuff, but it was a, it was a different flight than actually working on a, a complex endorsement. So, um, you know, because they already have the knowledge of, of how to fly an airplane, it's it's adding these extra things on that, that you're going to do in a complex that you necessarily wouldn't do in just a regular fixed propeller airplane. You know, so a little easier to describe. And, and I've done it from scratch in an airplane, but again, it started out with the with the bookwork first. Yeah, most of the time when, when you know when I was teaching many years ago, we started in the airplane because we really didn't have a a simulator to do that. And uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the board and going over things and uh, writing things on a chalkboard and stuff like that. And I, I tell you that it is a great way is to, to, to visualize. I think that's another part is actually visualizing. Uh, but having it demonstrated. 
Uh, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's something that I think uh, we should do with most maneuvers anyway. Say, this is how it works, and uh, now I want you to try to do that. Uh, Bill, did you have anything to add to that as far as you know how you get people started in the sure. complex? Uh, no, not really anything uh, new there. But yeah, that's it. That is a great use of a simulator. You can discuss it in the quiet of the simulator and just get the the procedures down. That's what their uh, sims are really great for. Whether they're full motion or just a desktop, just get that muscle memory going and uh, uh, save save the person some time and money. So another uh, tip that I have for a complex aircraft, and this is something that I I like to use, is uh, uh, you know another checklist that I always throw in there. And the reason being is when you're doing training, often you forget sometimes to take up the gear and the flaps and that type of thing. Many years ago, I developed this little checklist I called the Gift of Flight: Gear Indicated Airspeed, Flaps, Transponder, and Throttles. Those are the things that I always forget after takeoff, or do tend to forget. I shouldn't say always tend to forget. So it's just simple, and I put it down there. Gift, it's gear indicated airspeed. We forget what speed we're flying at, uh, especially when you get into something that's faster. You may not be able to go over 200 knots. I was flying out of an aircraft, an airport that was underneath Class Bravo, flying in a King Air, and you know there's a 1,200 foot shelf. You need to slow down uh the flaps you want to make sure your flaps are up in your throttles you want to set your throttles properly and the transponder those are things that we forget i know there's a lot of automation now that that (laughs) keeps us out of the woods there but uh and even uh tom and i we did that flight down uh the runway there at at nasa and uh we decided to kind of go around and i'm saying hey i feel like something's wrong i said well let me go through my gift you know gear indicate oh when i take gear all of a sudden things changed and the flaps okay i brought the flaps up so that's uh that's something that I, I just use if you're in that environment of constantly training uh, is, you know, there's the after takeoff checklist, but there's prior to that, as you're doing that flow, the gift of flight. And again, you want to uh, grab those checklists. Uh, Tom, any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, we were talking just a little bit about, you know, the training aspect of it and, and getting your students side there. And, and from an instructor's standpoint, you know, the um, with, with somebody um, using a um, adjustable prop, you know, the, when you get them into the plane and you finally get them to the point where they can adjust that prop without you even knowing that they adjusted it, that's when you can start feeling a little bit of finesse that they're starting to get better at understanding what the system is doing. Instead of just, you know, yanking it back in here, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden they, 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 they make a power setting and, and, and make a prop change. And it's so smooth and so nice and easy that, you know, the passengers in the back seat wouldn't even have known they'd done it. And that's when you know that you've done your job, that they're they're thinking their way through this and, and really being able to make adjustments that uh, that count. Well, Tom, I'm gra- glad you brought that up, is is the next part of this in that whole training scenario is finesse. And, and that's what we want to get to. And that could take a while uh, to get to that point where even, uh, you know, as you're landing, you're decelerating, when do you bring the prop forward? You try to bring the prop forward to a higher RPM so that they don't even notice it's changing. So those are kind of cool. Those those are the type of the points that we want to get to in our training and and get out there with an instructor and say, hey, you know, I want to I want to make it feel better for my passengers. How can I do that? And I'm glad you brought about up uh, the point about uh, flight instructors and advice for flight instructors. Um, I think one of the pieces of advice I can I can give instructors is if you can try to grab a, a simulator, but or but also do a lot of work before you even get into the airplane. Make sure they understand how a constant speed prop works. Make sure they understand uh, how the gear works. And the other really big thing, and we haven't really stressed this much, but I want to stress it now. And you as the instructor, now that we shift into instructor mode, is 
you know, make sure that they understand the systems. Whatever airplane you're using, uh, make sure they understand the systems in that aircraft. And uh, for example, the gear. If the gear doesn't come down when you put the gear lever down, make sure you you know they understand what to do next. They follow the checklist, but also make sure they have a, a really good systems knowledge so they know what they need to do to get that gear down in case that checklist doesn't work, that emergency checklist doesn't work. They may have a good enough knowledge of the systems, uh, adequate knowledge where they can actually put that gear down even outside those checklists. Usually checklists will work, but sometimes they don't. Uh, so shifting into that as far as the endorsements concern, etc. And by the way, uh, if you are looking to do an endorsement for a student uh, uh, that you're working with or one of your clients, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes as far as the endorsement there. Uh, it's a, a simple endorsement, but uh, but very, very important because I feel as an instructor that if if you have a student that does a, a gear up, and I know it happens, uh, I sometimes own that. It's like, hey, what did I do wrong to have my student make that mistake, uh, especially with a gear? And, and I really don't want to have that happen. I don't want my student to be on the 6 o'clock news, uh, and, and that's quite important. Uh, and just as a side note, I, I actually had a student, I said this to I said, I never want to see you on the 6 o'clock news. And, and he looks at me and says, he says, you know, that's actually what I do for a living, right? <laughs> he says, I produce the 6 o'clock news. I said, like, okay, forget about that. I just don't want you on anybody else's news. <laughs> and, and so one of the things that we, we want to do is pass along to you, if you're a flight instructor listening, is, is some things as far as advice uh, moving forward. So um, anything to add there, say, Bill, as far as advice to flight instructors when they're preparing their students for, for that process of learning the complex aircraft? Um, no, I, I think, Tom, uh, Tom, and you hit it um, pretty well there. And, uh, you know, we didn't really give too much until you just mentioned there, but uh, we talked a lot about landing gear up, but, um, you know, really understanding the system and what you have to do if you have to troubleshoot it and if you do have to get it down, it's not just as simple as, you know, press the backup button. Um, so make sure that they're uh, they're really understanding all of that. They can find it all. They can reach it all. Some airplanes, it's not, uh, it's not really easy to get at. So, you know, spend some time with the student and, um, you know, sitting in the airplane and, okay, if you do have to, you know, if you have an emergency, here's how you're going to do. And you might have to do a little bit of, uh, you know, gymnastics in the airplane to get it done, depending on, on what plane you're talking about. I mean, I know like the Mooney, for example, is just real tricky. I, I got to kind of bend my arm the wrong way to get at it if I <laughs> wanted to get the... I don't think my elbow goes that direction. Certainly doesn't at my age. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming and emergency procedures incredibly important, um, and knowing those systems, uh, and to get the gear down uh, in case we have an issue. You know, thinking outside the box. Why is this happening? What can we do? I mean, I I used to fly an airplane that. Uh, heck, the gear motor would, would pop on me all the time. The circuit breaker would pop. It was a hydraulic system. And, you know, how do we get that down? Is it a free fall system? Do I have the ability to pump it down? How do I do it? You know, and, and if it's a, a manual system, can you have problems with a gear in a manual system? You sure can. Uh, that, by the way, I hear people say that sometimes. Well, it's a manual system. What could go wrong? Well, things can go wrong in a manual system. You can actually have some kind of interference uh, with the actual physical system and figuring out how to get that gear down with having you know something in the way. In other words, uh, putting that that gear down. So, uh, Tom, uh, I was wondering, as far as an instructor is concerned, any any other advice you'd have for those instructors out there listening is uh you know preparing somebody for their their complex endorsement besides the systems etc 
Well, I think you guys got it pretty good. I know I had to chuckle just a little bit when you said, I thought that was like on the private pilot written somewhere about never asking what could go wrong. You know, the, the, that was, uh, <laughs> is, you know, is it on the written? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. I don't think you're ever supposed to ask that question. What could possibly go wrong? But, uh, um, you know, as, as far as systems, you know, I mean, it's, it is, it's that important to, to, to figure it all out. You know, I mean, some guys that, you know, I, I've flown with know their airplanes so well, and I start asking about their gear and the backup systems and stuff. And we go, oh yeah, like, like Bill just said, yeah, you got to crick your elbow back around the wrong way, but you turn the thing exactly 102 times and it puts the, puts the gear down, you know? And so that's the kind of intimacy that you need to have with the systems of what you're flying in a complex airplane. You really need to know what's going on with it. What is the system doing when it's functioning normally? What is the system doing when it functions abnormally? And what do you do in the case of an emergency? And, and those are all things that are paramount to know before you even go anywhere off on your own with the thing. Great advice, Tom. I appreciate that. We're going to wrap right there. I think uh, one of the most important things that we need to know is that uh, we, we need to answer this question. First of all, uh, we need to know our systems, but should you obtain a complex endorsement in 2021? I and Tom and Bill all feel you should for many reasons that we put out here. It makes you a better pilot. It's fun. That's a big one, too. I mean, you got to have fun, and, and you'll learn something, and it'll make you a much <laughs> more well-rounded pilot, and you may someday wind up joining a club because there's a lot of airplanes just as old as us on this podcast that are out there in those clubs and and you may wind up flying some of those our picks of the week and my pick of the week actually is going to be a video a pair of videos i did a long time ago for a couple of my students and uh it's about the constant speed propeller it's uh and and by the way i might turn the comments back on it was one of these videos i did a long time ago that was only meant for a very small audience and one of the lessons i learned is you never know what might happen on YouTube when you put a video out there. You'll get a chuckle. Uh, I don't use any great tonality or, or inflection. Uh, I just kind of quick puts this together and was going to re-record -re it. But I said, you know what? I'm going to leave it out there. I think sometimes, I mean, you'll learn something, obviously, from the, the video about how a constant speed propeller works. Uh, and and it's, it's really good, except what's really funny is the comments about how boring it is uh, because it, it was one of those videos that I did. Like I said, it's uh, it was prior to my my really getting into editing and stuff like that so just from an entertainment value as, as far as a project that i did that was informative but not quite as exciting uh go ahead and check out those videos i put there on youtube as far as how a constant speed propeller works so bill moving on to you what is your pick of the week uh, well, we don't have Russ with us, so we figured we put in a book in honor of Russ. Um, so, and also going right along with our subject today, we're looking at aircraft system for aircraft systems for pilots, uh, written by Dale uh, DeReamer. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's been around for a while. And that's, I recognize that author's written quite a quite a number of great textbooks and all for um, for pilots. But this uh, aircraft systems for pilots dives deeply into all that landing gear, props, uh, hydraulics, all sorts of great stuff like that um, available on Amazon or wherever you find your favorite aviation publications. Link in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks. And Tom, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, before I do it, I want to put another plug for your uh, complex airplane video. You know, I mean, when I first met you, I, I got to watch that video when I was transitioning and I was working on my complex endorsement. 
And, oh, you know, you. it was that video where I finally I finally got it. You know, it's like after after reading, you know, the transition to complex airplanes out of the airplane flying handbook and seeing all this other stuff and trying to figure out all this stuff about how the uh, 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 variable pitch propeller works. I just couldn't get it. And it was your video that actually kind of solidified that for me. So, you know, I'll, I'll just put another kudos there to go watch that thing. It's definitely worth it. Thanks. Boring or not. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> so anyway, um, my pick of the week, um, I was traveling, you know, I get around, you know, I get, get around here and there. And sometimes I end up, uh, doing overnights and spending days in a hotel room with not a lot to do. So, um, instead of sitting on my butt, I started getting up and started trying to get out and see some places. Cause like I'm traveling for a living. So I don't like to spend a lot of money when I'm holed up in a hotel somewhere. So I tried to find something cheap to do. Well, for me, cheap is walking. So what I like to do is I like to find, um, places to go walk. And, uh, I actually found an app and a, and a website it's called all trails. Um, and they have a nice app, alltrails.com, and and it's a it's a great little place. And no matter where I go, it, it picks up on the GPS and it starts letting me know where the parks are and where the good hiking trails are. And I have really seen some pretty beautiful things in this country just finding these different trails because it'll put you out in places that you probably normally wouldn't have gone wandering off into. You know, so um, there's some some really nice places out there. So um, if you get around and just you know want something to do, um, that's cheap and easy, usually easy. Um, uh, it, uh, it's, it's definitely worth the time. So I thought I'd throw it out there as a pick of the week. Well, that's a great pick of the week, Tom, especially when you get your complex endorsement, you'll fly an airplane that's faster. You go further and you'll be able to find these places. So I really appreciate that. Exactly. Tom. <laughs> hey, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Tom and Bill, thanks so much for, for coming here to discuss, you know, if you should obtain a complex endorsement in 2021, links are going to be in the show notes. If you like the contact, do me a, this content, please do me a favor and, and consider becoming a patron. Uh, one of the things that we do with every dollar we raise, obviously we put this podcast together, but uh, we also put one one dollar into a bucket that goes towards giving away a scholarships guide to somebody and visit our sponsor by the way plainenglishsim.com that's the app-based aviation radio simulator it's a great way to gain radio proficiency both in vfr and ifr and they're giving away some free scholarships guides too by using plain english sim and plain english sim is the coupon code it's also their website want to find out how to get one for yourself that's free a scholarship guide you can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free but most importantly one thing i want you to do is after this podcast stops don't stop there hopefully we've convinced you to obtain a complex endorsement in 2021 maybe you're somebody that has a complex endorsement and hasn't flown in a while check out the links in this podcast in the show notes find an instructor become proficient again in that complex airplane well folks we appreciate your listening we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying out there You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.